This is Kevin. And this is Ron. And this episode of Your Valuable Home is brought to you by Provia. Provia, a faith-based company that makes entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and metal roofing, all of incomparable quality. Welcome to Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast for listeners who believe that residential real estate is the way to build wealth. Hi, I'm Kevin Kennedy, a working contractor and host of Your Valuable Home. Your Valuable Home is for homeowners and investors alike who want to acquire and improve real estate based upon educated decisions. And I'm Ron Milk, Your Valuable Home producer and co-host. Our weekly one-hour podcast is not about doing it yourself. It's about hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. And it's not about flipping. It's about buying and holding to build wealth. Homeowners and investors strive to create wealth and financial freedom with real estate and avoid costly home improvement mistakes. Your valuable home is for you. The Project Replay made redoing our kitchen and bath trouble-free. Your horror stories have kept us from hiring the wrong contractors. The college segments have taught us how to keep toxins out of our home, what to look for in replacement windows, how to borrow sensibly against home equity, and more. College teaches investors like me how to freshen up my rentals without spending a fortune. Their suggestions are great for ROI. It's time for Your Valuable Home. All right, Ron, it's time for a new show we've got. We've got an action-packed show for our listeners, and we get a lot of great information. But I believe we have a returning guest coming up for yeah, the replay. Yeah, a lot going on today. We have Angel back. She's been on a couple of times already talking about two projects that she's just she's involved in. One is a mid-century modern home that she renovated, looking gorgeous to me. And the other one is an Airstream, which she had to forego for a while so she could get the house done. But the house is really shaping up. Angel, how are you? Welcome back on uh, Your Valuable Home. Thanks for having me back, Ron and Kevin. Great to hear from you guys. I asked Angel, how far has she progressed since the last time she was going? She's got a list of 16 things here. So you you have been busy. You've been you have a lot of balls up in the air, right? You're right. I have been. Almost a year since I moved in and started renovating over my head, if you will. Yeah, the place looks great. I, I'm looking at all the pictures. It really does. It, what a transformation from before to after. You know what struck me? is your point number one, built a new fireplace out through the waffle slab roof. That waffle slab roof with that fireplace, the way it's constructed is just like a knocked out situation. It really is. It really looks great. Phenomenal. We weren't really sure what was going to happen. You know, it was a gutsy move, but I had done a lot of work, the high rise buildings in Philadelphia that are waffle slab construction. So I knew that if I made sure that the hole was cut dead center in one of the waffles, that that would be the best spot. So when I designed the fireplace location, I started with the center of a waffle. And then we got into some ductwork issues that, that I had to work around, but everything worked out great. You know, I literally designed the fireplace using blue painter's tape on the wall and just kept moving it around until I till I got it exactly where I wanted it. And then my contractor built a structure. I don't know if I included any of those pictures, but we created this notch for the mantle. And last year, supply chain issues with trying to get bluestone was a real challenge. But sure. I found a piece up in Boyertown, Pennsylvania, and I drove up there in my pickup truck because I wanted it to be one piece. And we had designed it structurally to, to be able to handle the one piece. And then my stonemason basically just cut out the area that, you know, fit around the, the flue and 
it slid right into that slot and it, it turned out better than I expected, frankly. You know, they did a did a great job. I'm going to ask you to explain two things. Waffle slab construction, because a lot of people listening right now may not know what that is, number one. And number two, Angel brought into a whole development of mid-century modern homes, and that's what she's that's what she renovated, mid-century Concrete. modern yeah. Concrete, all concrete. One of my favorite types of architecture, which I think should come back big time. We'll talk about that a little later in the interview. But explain the uh, waffle slab construction. The houses were precast concrete. So that the roof structure is literally a, a poured in place slab of waffles. So that is integral to the structure of the whole building. These slabs were trucked in on flatbeds and the the sides the the floor was poured you know the slab and then the wall panels were put up and then the roof panels went in and so the exposed side of that roof is what i have throughout my entire house most of the houses in the neighborhood are just we just painted the the waffle slab it's a very unique process well, i'll tell you the way you designed that fireplace the way it works with the waffles in the ceiling and we're going to post these pictures on, on our uh, facebook and instagram it couldn't be any better it is thank you what it should be mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. it's absolutely gorgeous and then you built a bar too i did so since i grew up in a bar i wanted to do an homage to uh, my mother tilly so this is my mid-century modern version of tilly's bar it worked out very well. I was able to uh, make some modifications and uh, put in a flip-down bar area to hide my my liquor and, and then have a work area. So it, it worked out nicely. And then I added LED strip lighting on the backside of the panels uh, so that it really gave it a glow. Do you have LEDs coming out of the ceiling too or any other place in the, in the house? Yes, yes, I do. So there were existing downlights in the kitchen and in the living room and I replaced those with LEDs. And then I added LEDs in the hallway where it was a narrow hallway and, and it had a, a wall sconce that, that was just stuck out too far. But the good thing is that the LEDs are so shallow that it was able to fit between the ductwork that is in the hallways. And in one of the bedrooms, the whole ceiling there is a wood shiplap ceiling. So I was able to add downlights in there as well, LED downlights. What are some of the other big things on this list here? And I see something that means a lot to me here. Number 11, installed Corten steel planters in front (laughs) windows. I said, I wrote back to H. I said, this brings back memories to me. I wrote the first ads for Corten Steel for United States Steel 40-some years. No, actually, probably 50 years ago. It goes back 50 years <laughs> wow. ago. Wow, yeah. you're showing your age. Huh? You're starting to show wow. your age. <laughs> it was a young man. Oh, yeah, right. He was very exactly. young. Yeah, I was at the time. Young, yeah. young teen, young yeah. teen. Because of the wood slats on the front, and of course, you know, the house was white. All the houses in this neighborhood were white and originally. Uh, so I decided I wanted to look a little different. So I painted the house. It's a dark midnight blue. And it goes very well with the wood slat treatment that's at the front entrance on the porch. And I wanted to pick up that color of that stained wood and add some planters. And I wanted you know, some drama because the windows in the front are pretty small. So I bought these court and steel, very large planters. They're about 36 inches wide and about 32 inches tall. And I hung them, 
using French cleats on the outside of the uh, exterior walls under the windows. They got to be heavy, right? So it's actually not too bad because um, there's a big void. You know, the actual planter part is only about nine or ten inches uh, in depth. So, you know, they weren't too bad, but it was a challenge uh, working on that by myself. I'm um, sure it was, yeah. And I was very lucky that I had a neighbor who, who was walking by at the time, and uh, he came over and, and we just slipped it right on. So it, it worked out well. I still remember one of the lines I wrote about Cortez Steel. Weathers to a pleasing russet patina. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Is that true? That's true. There you go. That is absolutely true. So when I bought them a year ago, they were black steel. And uh, so I had to really wait until they rusted out to that patina before I, I mounted them on the front. But I also wanted to wait until the house was painted. So it all came together very nicely. Yeah, they're going to pop off the blue. Yeah, they really did. What are some of the other things you did here? I planted a lot of trees. I planted about seven uh, evergreen trees. But then I had an issue with my deck. Previous owner put up a, a slatted, horizontal slat railing around the deck, but they never enclosed the underneath sides. And I have a little dog. And there was uh, groundhogs and rabbits and all kinds of animals that were starting to live under my deck. I needed to get under there and and finish that off. So I got out my table saw and uh, bought some wood slats and stained them and matched the railing that was previously there. So I fully enclosed the underside of the deck. And that was a fun project because nothing was level and I really had to do everything by eye to get it to look good. How much more do you have to do with this house now? Well, my next project is there are two shallow closets in what will ultimately be my master bedroom. I'm going to expand them and make them deep enough to be two walk-in closets. So I'll have a dressing room in one and I'll have storage in the other. Right now I'm storing my golf clubs and my bike in uh, my office. So I'm going to be able to have a, a place to store those things. The big project is adding on a master bath. That will be a big challenge because I've got to build, you know, a foundation and uh, do all the plumbing, connect to the sewer lines and all of that. That's my last major project. Will that be concrete too? Well, the foundation will be concrete. I think I'm not going to do concrete on the walls. It'll be stick built. Okay. It'll be framed. All right. I'm thinking the whole time this is concrete. There's two things I don't build anymore is concrete homes. This is one of an old farmhouse. <laughs> well, this is this is before your time. Oh, yeah, yeah. This I, is before your time. I'm looking at some of the pictures. At least one I'm looking at right now, Ron, is the one where she's got your display of all the alcohol. And I know yeah. Ron's looking at He's got the wines. But I noticed something, Ron, really important. Yeah, you mentioned the three operative areas of the house. Bicycle storage. Golf clubs. Golf clubs. And bar. <laughs> and, and bar. <laughs> we drink the same beer. This is perfect. So the next question is, when are we coming over for the, the open house and dinner? You know, anytime you want to come over, I did have a little open house, uh, house concert a couple of weeks ago. And unfortunately, Ron was out traveling. So, but I'm welcome to have you come by and, and check it out anytime you'd like. Yeah, the pictures look great. Yeah, the picture, picture is phenomenal. I, lo- I love the fireplace. I think you did a great job on the fireplace. Thanks. In- integrating that into that waffle ceiling. It's beautiful. 
Well, cutting a hole through that. So what did your contractor use? Like a hole saw, core hole drill to, to get uh, through that? Yeah. So it had to be at nine inches in diameter. We weren't really sure, you know, how thick the roof structure was, but he did find a core drill that was nine inches in diameter. We put a hose on it and we went through and I have the pieces. So, so when you come over, I'll be able to show you exactly what it looked like. It basically was about four inches of concrete. Then there was a void and a lot of gravel in there and then another uh, layer of rubber and roof paper and that's and then the final roofing should there be more with young people today and i know they're they're interested in a lot of them are interested in mid-century modern should there be more mid-century modern? should be a revival in our area at least of mid-century modern architecture absolutely and this neighborhood is unique it's really turning over i mean i have neighbors who have been here for over 50 years and they're thinking about moving to florida and putting their houses up for sale. And I have two friends, actually, one, a designer that used to work for me, who just bought a house up the street. And I have another friend, a single mom, who bought a house down the street. I've been involved in their renovations as well, because my house is exactly the same house. And so, you know, I'm able to give them guidance on what outlets control what switches and and how they can make modification and changes wouldn't it be nice though for somebody some builder developer to initiate a mid-century modern development in your area bucks county montgomery county someplace in this area i think it would be great i agree with you 120 percent angel wonderful thank you very much for coming back on and thanks for doing such a great job on this historic house it just uh, it's amazing absolutely amazing oh it's my pleasure. I love it. It's, it's my passion. Believe it is. And you, once you get done with this, you can get back to your airstream then, right? That's right. I can't wait. I want to get on the road. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Blame. We just were. We were just out in Montana. That would be a great place to take. Uh, take a. Uh, I know. Oh my with Lord. your golf clubs too. With your a golf clubs. Golf clubs. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna golf my way all the way across country. <laughs> okay. I could accompany you out to that ride out there. That'd be pretty good. There is not going to be a horror story per se this week because our feature is the horror story. It's about the disaster that's befallen southwestern Florida, the hurricane, devastating, deadly, and something that's probably one of the worst natural disasters in the history of the country. So we're going to be talking about that this week in a slightly different way than what you've been seeing in the news, and we're going to be talking about it next week too. First with two residents of Captiva, and then next week with a resident and an old friend of mine who is ahead of an HOA, and he's got his hands full because he's dealing with 68 houses. Yeah. Anybody in that part of the world, you should listen to these shows because there's a lot of helpful information here. All right. We'll be back after we take a quick break. We've been telling our listeners about Provia entry doors and windows, but there's a lot more to Provia, right, Kev? Yeah, you bet. Provia is your one source for professional class entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and incredible metal roofing. In fact, Provia makes all the product you need to create the perfect home exterior. They do it all the Provia way, the professional way. Hey, Kev, didn't you just use Provia siding and doors on your home? Yep, the look of my siding and doors have landed me a ton of work. Okay, so what sold you on Provia vinyl siding? 
siding. The same that sells my customers. Provia Siding Reflex Heat protects against UV rays and solar heat buildup that ensures long-lasting color. Then there's a range of traditional, insulated, and decorative siding profiles, all with the look and feel of real wood. And a selection of now colors, including dark and bold hues. So what's your take on Provia manufactured stone? The molds of Provia stone are created from natural stones, giving it a quarried stone look with a great range of shapes and sizes. Customers love them, and the 10 choices of color palettes, Provia stone goes with any environment. To see how Provia siding and stone combine to create the Provia perfect exterior with great curb appeal, visit Provia.com. Click on Designer Collections under the Design It tab. All right, Ron, we have an interesting topic to talk about, something that just happened for our featured segment. What do we have? Well, something big that just happened. Real big. Kevin. Yeah, I mean, a, a horror. this is our horror story and our feature today because the whole thing is a horror story. We're talking about Florida, and we're going to zoom in on two areas of Florida. One is Sanibel. Everybody across the country has seen the pictures of the causeway that went down. I've been over that thing 20 times. And then we're going to be talking about Captiva, too. So both of those areas, which are just slivers of land that jut out into the Gulf, were hammered not like fort myers but they were hammered and we have a good friend of mine jack on the phone he's fellow fellow tennis player and owner of a beautiful home in sanibel it's one of to me one of the idyllic low-lying islands in the south in southwest florida that were caught in the crosshairs of this devastating storm jack is joined by his daughter-in-law bronwyn who with jack's son believe it or not my name is mike moved to neighboring captiva island just this past august bronwyn not the best timing was it no, not the best for sure. Well, we'll talk more about that. Jack, let's begin with you. How long have you had a home on Sanibel? Uh, we built our, our house 10 years ago at Sanibel. So you've been there 10 years. So you haven't been there. I think there was a big one there about 15 years ago, 18 years ago. Yeah, that was Charlie. Yeah, the big one was Charlie. So a lot of people learned a lot from Charlie. One of the benefits we had was in those five years, what happened was a lot of the contractors who had come down for Charlie um, were looking for work. So we were able to build our house at a very cheap price uh, per square foot because of that. And that's what's going to happen again now in uh, Sanibel. So you really never experienced anything close to the severity of of Ian, right? Never, not even close. Hope you never do again. So you've seen (laughs) aerials of you home. I think that that, that were came compliments of Noah. Is that true? Yeah, which is great. And people should know that you can go onto the NOAA website, National Oceanographic Survey website. You can see pretty good resolution pictures of your home. Yeah, the resolution was phenomenal. It looked to me like you are maybe less than 50 feet from the water, correct? Yeah, we're right on the water. We're right right on the water. Yeah, right. I would say, yeah, 15, 10 or 15 feet from the water. We're protected by mangroves and we're on a bayou. And then across from the bayou, there's another island of mangroves about a quarter of a mile wide. And then there's the Gulf. That is probably what, what helped us on the surge. We did a, an interview with that uh, Pew uh, Family Trust a couple months ago, and we, they were talking about preserving a million acres of protective salt wash up and down the coast from North Carolina into uh, the northern part of Atlantic Florida. Apparently, that really does a lot to absorb Mother Nature or the anger of Mother Nature. So I agree with you. It probably saved your house, right? I think so. And I think uh, Brownwood could talk more. Her, her house was on the other side of the island without any mangroves in front of it. So I think that did it. And the island actually is pretty strict about cutting those mangroves, too. You can get huge fines if you try to cut them. So that make, makes sense. Makes all the sense in the world. And, you know, I think as this proceeds, as the uh, Hugh project proceeds, which involves military and uh, a lot of civic groups and businesses, 
up and down the coast, it's going to only make things better for people who are living in those areas. So have you had anybody take a look at your house since, since, the, since the storm? No, nobody was able to get in there. And the reason for that is they, uh, obviously you just mentioned it, the causeway is totally destroyed. But in addition to that, the Coast Guard has been on uh, recovering bodies actually since it's happened. So that search and rescue thing kept any, they didn't want anybody over there. And uh, they're letting every, they're going to open it up tomorrow. If you can get in a private boat, legally you can get in tomorrow. Some, and Bronwyn could talk about it, have been able to get in. Tomorrow you can get in if you've got a boat to get in, but you've got to get out. You can only be there from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Yeah, they certainly don't want you, want you there after dark, especially by boat. What's the take on that? Is there, is there a lot of debris in the water? The biggest thing, and we had a really good meeting last night, uh, which I'll talk about uh, with the uh, city council, which is actually in, you know, set up in a hotel on the mainland. And they were they were basically talking about and they had a, one of the council members is a crisis expert who came out of the out of the government. And he said that the biggest danger, he said, you many times you lose more people get killed and hurt after the event than during the event. And that and so they explained how. There's so there's so many ways to get hurt. Even they warned us about going over there tomorrow. That if you everything from trying to climb over climb over sticks and and, and you know damage stuff and having to cave in on you. And there's no there's no ability. There's no cell phone coverage, so you wouldn't you could bleed out before anybody even knew it because and there's no ability to rescue you there. But it, it's everything from that. To, to alligators. The alligators are wandering around the island now. Um, you know, they're not in their normal habitat. So, yeah, it's a pretty scary place. But we all want to get back there so we can assess what happened. So you've got to be careful going over. Well, I think that, I think Florida's got a snake problem, too, don't they? Yeah, that's the other thing. People have, people have noticed snakes swimming around. Yeah, it's dangerous. Um, so it's like a triple or quadruple whammy. Everything yeah, coming at you at the same time. So what? what's your plan? What's your plan? When do you think you'll be back there to see so, what's... Okay, so so what, a couple of things just to share with your with your listeners to go through this. We First of all, the plan is to get logged into the FEMA site. You know, they have a disasterassistance.gov and to log it in there so that FEMA, you've got a FEMA case more or less. And that can get you, you know, everything from the FEMA help, you know, emergency help, you know, support financial support if you're a small business, for example. For an individual, one of the big things is getting your roof covered with these blue tarps that you've probably seen after hurricanes. Yep. FEMA provides them. So there, go on that site. Second second lesson I would that I learned here was call your insurance company right away and make a claim right away, even though you don't know what, what the situation is, because the queue then becomes a long, long queue that you may if you want to be on in the front of that line to get your adjuster to come out. So we did this, we did that. And within an hour, our adjuster had called, we, we have Chubb and, uh, but that's big is to, is to call right away um, a, after something. And then the third thing, and Brahman can talk more about it because she and, and uh, my son have been working on it is the competition for contractors. So you want get a contractor standing by so once once they can get in there you're at the top of the list again to get to get help uh, to get your house fixed because once uh, if you don't get those drywalls pulled down down in the in the uh, areas like florida mold. you're gonna have mold in the house yeah yeah 
Yeah, then you have to rip it all out anyway, right? You want to rip it out. You want to get it. You want to get it ripped out because if you leave it there, then then the mold spreads throughout the house. Have the local authorities set up a clearinghouse for contractors? Because I'm sure they're going to be coming in from other states, southern states, Alabama, Mississippi, places like Pennsylvania. That. Pennsylvania. I got a few going down yeah. there now. Yeah, Kevin knows a couple of guys yeah. going down. Have they? Do you have a clearinghouse with names, experience, expertise? Yeah. Yeah, they did. And they did. And I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, this is another lesson for those who live in resort areas like this is one, get a good homeowners association. And two, you know, make sure to elect smart people to your council, because we've had these council meetings every and, and you can watch them on Facebook uh, every evening since it's happened. And I've been really encouraged, given all of the you know, the polarization we've seen in meetings, in local meetings, to, to see what's happened here, the, how everybody has is, is come to the fore. And we had we have five good council members. We've got uh, Holly Smith, who's our mayor, just controlling the meetings. And we've, our congressman was in the meeting today. Just everybody just working together like that. It's so great to see after what we've seen over the past years, you know about arguments in, in meetings like that. So anyway, you want to get a good homeowners association because they've been giving us information. That's how I got that picture that you referred to, uh, Ron. They were the ones who figured out how to get into gotcha. into the system. Um, so those are some of the, uh, so yeah, good coordination. Uh, I know there's been a lot of criticism, the fact that they, that our county did not do a good job of giving the evacuation order early enough. Um, I can let Raman talk to that because I wasn't there. She was one of the people who evacuated. But uh, I, 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 I didn't see it. I got notices constantly from our city council warning us that this was going to happen. So, mm. Yeah, I got to believe from everything I've seen and read that there was enough time to get out. I, I heard one lady comment who didn't get out in time that because it, it, was, it was going up further north into Tampa, that they didn't right, that pack the all their yeah. stuff up right away. Well, you know what? If it was anywhere within 200 miles, I would have packed my stuff up and been ready to go, you know? So I yeah. think a lot of yeah. people, I mean, there's in, in a natural disaster like this, whatever it is, if you know it's coming, there's always people who think it's going to not affect them and they stay behind. So I, some people have to stay behind. My take on it is that there was adequate time from looking at it from the outside in, you know? But we'll ask Brown about that in a, in a little bit. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you think, Brown? Do you think it was adequate time? I do actually. We were preparing sandbag Tuesday morning. My husband and I were, 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 you know, we we got the warnings, and even though it was projected to head towards Tampa, we were still in the cone. They emphasized numerous times that if you're in the cone, you it could still shift. So the way we looked at it is we were going to prepare as much as we possibly could. At that point that I believe the evacuation notice hadn't really, it was just they were teetering on, Lee County was teetering on the fact of whether they were going to recommend, you know, evacuating. And as soon as they did, we hunkered down, put our sandbags down, did everything we possibly could gathered some clothing, et cetera. Um, wish we would have done a lot more at the time in hindsight, because we thought we'd be back in a few days. We had enough time also. Yeah. And for the people who didn't, I mean, I'm sure a lot of them are counted, counted in death tunnel, which is very, very unfortunate, very sad situation. Very. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody and including you guys, everybody I know from down there is safe. So 
Jack, are there any other important considerations like flood and wind insurance that you would advise people of? Yeah, yeah. Let me talk to that because we we stopped our flood insurance two years ago because it it, it had gotten so high. You know, in the last several years, about two or three years ago, you know, it used to be that you could buy it at a real discount, and now then then that went away. So I just stopped stopped it myself, and I think a lot of other people did the same thing. So the uh, I looked it up in when Bloomberg, only 18% of Floridians have flood insurance, wow. and so it's going to be pretty disastrous for folks. In our case because our house didn't get washed away and the damage is going to be, and our house is on stills too. So we were 14 foot up before you get into our living area. We're not going to get hit with the flood, but, and we do have wind insurance. So, but anyway, that's big. And I think it's going to be astronomical, the cost of it you know, in the future after this. So I, I don't know what to say about flood insurance. Um, yeah, it's going, to, it's going to go way up. So what do those people do? Are they totally exposed? The ones that... yeah, yeah. They're totally exposed. It brings a big point out here, Ron, that I think we all should recognize, you know, and for us, you know, we can, you know, we can, we're going to, we're going to live through this and, and Brahman and Mike have a house up still up here in in Pennsylvania and we, we do too. I mean, there's an awful lot of people there whose lives have been totally ruined and their house is gone. They don't have insurance. Their house is gone. And they don't have a job anymore because that's the other part. The people that we became so close to, the people that, you know, were landscapers and dog walkers and dog take care of all these people, these service people, and um, they're they're in trouble. I mean, and um, so it's you know when you talk about or or us competing for contractors, one I really feel some sense of guilt there too because they're the ones that need need to get their houses fixed before I do. And uh, so that's the social impact is, is, is pretty rough. And it's something that I think we all, you know, we all are, are dealing with there. It even came out in our, in our meeting this morning uh, with the city council meeting that we have to take care of the people that, that, you know, we've depended on. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. We you feel see, the same way. You're going to, you're going to see that get more acute as time goes by here too, because uh, it's, it's kind of like the situation that's existed in Northern California, Silicon Valley, San Francisco for years. People in the service industries can't afford to live there anymore. And with this and uh, the fact that maybe a lot of them didn't have flood insurance because they couldn't afford it because they didn't have that kind of money in the first place, they're basically wiped out, right? Yeah. Unfortunately. No, it is. Yeah. It's a real social, it, it is a real social it thing that, you know, all of a sudden has come, come home to me personally, you know, I mean, everybody says they feel bad for me. I don't feel bad for me. Like I feel bad for the, for the people that I know, you know, that, and uh, that, that were so important to our livelihood there. So, yeah. So it's, it's rough. <laughs> well, when, yeah. when Police you talk officers, of, people like that, I mean, they have a problem. This is a big impact. When yeah. you talk about flood insurance, cause I have a rental property also down in the Jersey shore. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, what do you need flood insurance for? You're on the second floor. And I said, well, it's a condo technically, even though it's a single house. Uh, if the floor, first floor gets wiped out and they condemn that building, what's going to happen to me? So we have to have it. But uh, Jack, as you said, you rebuilt 10 years ago and you actually put them on stilts 14 feet in the air as you, where your first living space is? Yes. That's the Jersey Shore. They've been rebuilding based upon what Superstorm Sandy 10 years ago. And how high was that? 
Uh, well, they're in Margate, where one of our listeners is at building, he's at 12 foot before. 12 foot. Okay. So, and all these newer homes are being built that because you're having the storm shards that high. Uh, we're all in a, a world of trouble. But it's a lot of these homes yeah, that haven't absolutely. been updated over the past 20, 30 years sure. that I'm sure it's going to be this way. But it, we talked about it. They're, they're in financial shape right now. Their house is gone. Uh, with no insurance, it's going to be even worse. So what do we look yeah. at for the future when people are going to start rebuilding? What is that future? And I think is everybody's in the right direction, but it's still these homes that have not been updated that are still existing from 30 to 40 years ago. Well, is it possible, Jack, that a lot of people who don't have the uh, the, the uh, flood insurance don't have the wind insurance as well? If you, if you don't have a lot of yeah. money, you probably don't, Yeah, right? a lot of people, yeah. And they don't have, they don't have, going back to what Kevin said, they don't have uh, hurricane windows like we did, you know. So if, if you got, if you built your house after trolley, like we did, all of a sudden you had learned a lot of lessons from Charlie. So, so you have hurricane impact windows, which means that the only way the water is going to get in is either through the through a flood, and our house is built 14 feet up, or through a, a destroyed roof, and our house has metal roofs, which is you know which is safer than than the other kinds of roofs that that exist. Mm -hmm. So, so you learn a lot after these kinds of things, and hopefully um, they'll learn. A, They'll learn something from this. Yeah. yeah. Wow. One thing wow. I one thing I learned is 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 I'm not going to cut our mangroves ever. Oh no, no, absolutely not. No, I mean I think that probably saved. I mean I seen the aerials. If anything, maybe you got a little bit of damage. It looked like the roof was totally intact and the walls were totally intact. So I think you're going to get a pleasant surprise when you go back there. Might be an alligator in yeah. your front yard, but sit on the couch. <laughs> once you get past him, you're good. Yeah. What are some of your considerations moving forward? For me, and I'll let, it, I'll let Bronwyn talk, um, is for us, our consider, biggest consideration at our age and having a home up here in Pennsylvania is do we want to go through all the, the toughness of going, you know, going working with contractors and doing all that kind of stuff? Um, and that's that's tough when you're when you're a retiree and you're 80 years old. Um so I think a lot of people are, are facing that. Our friends that are retirees down there are all looking at that, you know. Is it? And uh, but then you've got people who are the next generation, um, and Brahman can speak to that. Mm -hmm. to see the great, who great, to see the great potential of having a home because it is paradise. There is no, there is no other place that I can imagine. We've been all over the world. We've lived all over the world like Sanibel because it, it's there's not a traffic light on the island it's it's got wildlife it's two-thirds of the island is wildlife preserve it's just you know so I don't know yeah Bronwyn what do you think uh, no we we completely agree with that even though this is you know extremely stressful upsetting we literally just moved in uh, six weeks ago and made this house our permanent residence. <laughs> there is no place that is better. We, we again, have been all over. We, we looked all over Florida. Really, our heart is with Captiva, which is, we know, <clears throat> right next door um, to Sanibel. And, um, and we said, you know what, it's time. Let's make this our primary residence. And then six weeks later, this happened. But the other thing that's interesting, and, and Brahma could speak to this, is Brahma just retired from being a you know a school teacher in Bucks County. Mike Mike is the president of a company. People can now do this and live remotely like this, and have and both of you have jobs. You've got a job now, Brahma too, yes. your own business. 
So that's the other thing that's changed is, and, and I saw that change in Sanibel. We have so many of our neighbors now who are fully, fully, fully vital and fully working, you know? So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, we need cell service back. Power yeah. and water yeah. would be nice too. <laughs> Power and yeah, water right. would be nice. Yeah. Infrastructure would be nice. Bronwyn, yeah, where yeah. exactly are you in Captiva? We are right on the bay. And mm-hmm. if you know the staple restaurant, Green Flash, we're oh, yeah. three down towards Andy Rossi, three houses down from. From the Green Flash. Yeah, yeah I was there uh, back in March. Nice place. Nice oh, really? nice view at night. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It really is spectacular. And as we know, though, Captiva is very narrow compared to Sanibel. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we walk, we come out our front door and we have a block you know, basically to the beach. So we are very fortunate. Well, I'll tell you, uh, we went out to to dinner down from the Green Flash. I forget where it was. It may have been the country club back in March. And I I mentioned to my friend, Ed, who's going to be on next week. He's coming on to talk about Captiva. He's the head of the HOA out at Land's End. And I said to him, I said, Ed, the water comes right up to almost a macadam here. What happens in, in a bad storm? Well, now we know. Because there's probably no macadam left. It's probably all sand. It's probably all washed away, I would think. Yes. Um, we we were able to get to our house um, to assess damage. And, yes, I mean, the, the bay and the ocean met. Um, you know, we have a dock that's no longer existing, yet our boat survived. <laughs> we have a covered boat uh, lift. And the boat is still there, but the rest of the dock is either in our backyard or has has floated away. So, so you have a hydraulic lift, right? Getting out. I, I'm sorry. Say you have a again. hydraulic lift, and it lifted it up high enough, I guess, so it wasn't effective. Yeah. Well, and my husband's mad skills of tying the boat in. Um, he was YouTubing the day we evacuated on how to tie six point, you know, during a hurricane. And I'll tell you what, he did a great job. We also have hurricane windows and, if not shuttered, windows. Um, and we were very fortunate enough to – they were all intact. Um, when was your house when built? We, in the 90s. 90s. Okay. Yes. Okay. I mean, it's a very sturdy house, um, and it's it's still standing. In fact, when we boated to it, we, we thought that um, – we didn't get any flood damage. It didn't look like, but when we opened up the door, we had three or four feet of water all in the bottom of the house. Yikes. Okay. All right. So yours isn't up as high as uh, it is the not. Yeah. No. Okay. No. Our lowest level is you walk out to our pool, which, you know, uh, now has a nice, it's like a fish pond. Uh, there are fish in there. And it literally leads beyond the pool is six feet to the bay. So we're very close to the bay. Very close to the bay. But were yes. you were you concerned when you, you said you boated out there? Did you see any debris in the water? There's got to be debris in the water down there somewhere. Um, yes. And, you know, <clears throat> when we took the boat, uh, we were one of the first people to be able to, to get to the island. And um, actually, our we, we have a contractor, which I'll explain in a moment, who we were getting a lot of work done on our house. We literally just finished the lowest level that is now destroyed two days prior to the hurricane hitting. So, um, but our, our contractor is also, um, a boat captain. He, he has his license. So he, we wanted to 
go out and retrieve very important paperwork. And I had mentioned earlier that we took very, very little clothing thinking that we'd come back. So we wanted to be able to assess the damage and gather some items. So he said, you know, he put his, the biggest, the biggest issue was finding a boat ramp. He was able to find um, a friend uh, who has a marina who had it closed because they are their their entire marina and housing and everything was completely ruined. This was um, in Bonita Springs. And um, so but they allowed us to take the boat, put it in, launch it. And not to be too graphic, but the, the one gentleman said to me, just look forward. Just keep on looking forward. Don't look in the water. And I said, of course, why? And he said, you know, they're still finding bodies. They just found two more and the debris, it just don't look, just keep on looking ahead. So, you know, we did navigate through, we saw boats, you know, in some of the uh, little islands, there were boats literally in on treetops or boats that um, we passed Fort Myers beach and the boats were sitting on top of either one was like literally on top of a house. The other one was balancing on another boat. I mean, it really was quite a sight. Yeah. Fort Myers beach look like, looks like it was leveled by a big bomb. It, 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 for real, it, it looks exactly like that. We went under the causeway. You could see the damage from, you know, the water just rushing over and how it just tore apart. Um, but as we got closer to our house, like, you know, my heart was in my throat the entire time, but as we approached the house, the the waters were calm. Um, we did see some firemen, they waved to us, you know, we were able to get to our house art. Like I mentioned, our docks completely gone. So we had to tie up to our seawall. Um, so, you know, and then we were able to assess the damage. Wow. I understand you're staying in another part of Florida now. How long do you plan to stay there, number one? And are you moving ahead with repa- with repairs from the distance at this point? Well, we, we're we like vagabonds right now. We've literally been all over Florida, bopping around to different hotels because there are no hotels. I mean, there was nothing available up and down the West Coast because everybody was, you know, needed a place to stay. Um, so we are on the East coast right now. Um, we're literally taking day by day because we just don't know uh, our plan. We want to be close in case somebody needs us or we can, we can help in any way. Um, but we are moving forward. Uh, we did speak with our uh, insurance, um, agency and, um, we have an adjuster involved. We do have flood insurance because we are right on the bay. Um, they basically said, because we were under, you know, had close to four feet of water, they said, if you can get your contractor out there to start remediating, do it. So he's, he is, here's the biggest problem. He was saying, you know, the lack of supplies, everybody's running out, you know, so he's, he's, he's heading towards Orlando. He's going to get lots of drywall and as much, you know, to, to, to load up on the items. And then he's going to boat out Saturday and start tearing out the walls, et cetera, where the flood was. So the mold doesn't grow, just like Jack was saying. Yeah, the mold will just eat right through your house. I mean, you'll have a major remediation problem if that takes hold. Yes. Well, we also have a roof problem um, that it looks pretty bad. We don't have water in yet. Whether it's leaking in our attic, we don't know. So we're waiting to get an assessment on that. If not, we're definitely going to take advantage of the blue tarp from FEMA. 
I would think that the governor of Florida, and Kevin can speak to this. I mean, he has his own supply chain issues himself, just with home improvements up here. I mean, forget Florida. Home improvements in Pennsylvania. That somebody's going to have to step in and uh, sort of redirect a lot of uh, lumber, uh, drywall, you name it, whatever it takes, insulation, to get it down there so people can get these places that are salvageable, salvaged, right? Am I right? right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because that's the last thing that people want is to have the mold or have leaks in their roof. And then you're, you're just creating one more problem after another, after another. Yeah. The best advice so that I could give somebody down there is first question I would ask if that wet drywall and all the products that were wet, if you can get that out of the house, how livable is that house? That's what I would say first. So as long as you get the, the wet material out, and then I always tell people um, it's trying to be patient at that point because if you don't have drywall, it's not the end of the world. Uh, it's just being correct. as careful as possible. But again, you, I'm sure you're going to need a bathroom. You need a kitchen uh, to right, provide for yourself. Right. But it's not where people think they're going to be back to normal in a couple of weeks. It's going to take time. That There's no doubt about it. This was an absolute uh, natural disaster that just really wiped a lot of people out. Of it's It's a life-changing natural disaster probably for a lot of people down there. So for a lot of the homes that only had four feet of water, which it still is a massive amount of water that can be remediated as quick as possible. And it's a livable again. Uh, well, I would just recommend to, to work with your contractor just to work on the remediation first and then see if it is livable for anybody that's there to get back into your house. Because then that would alleviate right. some of the problems of the hotels that are going to be overbooked. So I'm sure if they, if you have that availability, it's probably the best thing to do that. So uh, again, listen to the contractor, try to get that stuff out as fast as possible. I completely agree with the insurance and, and the contractor to remediate uh, just for that reason, just so it, it doesn't spread because that could be like a cancer. And that's, Oh, it is. Yeah, want. it is. I've seen it happen in, in houses. I had it happen in my house. You saw that, right? Right. And yeah. if you can get electric up, fans are great to keep that air moving through there. Uh, well, if you got electricity. Well, yeah. We need, we need electricity and, and water first. And that's the first thing he was saying is he needs some hand tools to be able to cut this out. Normally, we're so used to electric, you know, and, and you're not allowed to run generators um, because everything is it, everything on that island, by the way, that was the other thing that just stunned me. You, you, you arrive to Sanibel and Captiva and the, the beauty of the, the, the landscape is gorgeous and green. And when we walked through our house and, you know, saw half of our palms are gone. You know, our, our, we just had the house re-landscaped. Everything is, everything is dead. Everything's brown and wow. not a leaf on a tree. Uh, it's sad. It's, it's, it, it's really, really sad. And, and the nature that the, we had osprey, two huge osprey nests that you could see from our house just wiped out. They're gone. It's, yeah. The wind got them, right? Yes, very much so. But, but you know, going back to why no generators, they they talked about that on the uh, on our meeting this morning, and the fire the head of the fire department was there. He said he has no water. He he does not have his all of his trucks have been destroyed and all. So he said uh, they can't. They don't want people to run generators because they're afraid of sparks. And like yes. Ronald said, everything is so dead, and now it's dry. Yeah. Is that is that you could just have a fire on the on the island? They've had they have had some fires, and they just have to let them burn. That's know? the last thing you need right now, boy. I'll tell you that would be oh my gosh, devastating. No, that yeah. would be horrible. Yeah. Are the local municipalities providing any security for your properties? Nobody's at the property, and nobody's at a lot of the properties that survived. Are yeah. they doing anything like that? 
Oh yeah, they're they're doing a lot on that. Um, the police are the police and fire department has set up there, which is tough again because they haven't got water, they haven't got power, they haven't got, and they don't have cell service. So they're there, and then the um, the National Guard uh, arrived. The first ones arrived yesterday. Have 500 National Guard on Sanibel now. So so from a security standpoint, and the and the curfew, like I said, you have to be off the island by eleven by uh, seven o'clock. So yeah, I think they. They did a good job about watching out for security. Yeah. Well, that yeah. was that was I was listening to the Captiva because Captiva is different from Sanibel mm-hmm. at this point. They're they're looking at them as two different entities. But Captiva community panel, I sat on a Zoom for two hours yesterday, and they a lot of p- people were very concerned about the security. Um, and you know, they also said they're sending the armed forces in, and but but our point was is we 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 went right up to our our house right and there's there were more boats coming in and nobody was really stopping them to say who are you um so you know their captiva was talking about establishing we all have well not everybody we learned but we have hurricane passes with our names on them so they're they're talking about establishing some kind of system to show proof of residency as as people enter because boats were were not stopped it's been a few days now um but that was a big concern for the captiva residents yesterday great idea i mean you're gonna have to do it at night too because bad guys will be out there at night if they if they have access yeah. they'll be yes. out there yeah. i mean yeah. they've, they've talked about looters i mean i you know i i was trying that was one of the reasons i went back i mean now it's our i was grabbing jewelry and passports and things like that that you know just yeah. god forbid somebody gets in our house but there's a big deal in Sanibel on the security thing because what they're doing, I had, I went over to uh, the UPS store uh, yesterday and I put together a letter giving authorization to someone who watches our house who lives on the mainland and uh, and I FedEx him the letter and I had to, but I had to have it notarized so the only way he's gonna he's gonna get on onto the island because now what they've done is like I said they have the National Guard there that now all of the they're trying to cover all the access points to the island and they also have checkpoints within neighborhoods now so so i think the i think the on sanibel which is a different sanibel has its own 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 city council and all and then captiva which is which is totally connected i mean there there's a little bridge that you can walk across in two minutes between the two they're part of the county so they don't have a lot of the I guess the governmental infrastructure that we have. It's all, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, so yes, looting, looting and all of that's important. And, uh, but I think the biggest thing going back Ron, is the competition that's going to take place for resources. A friend of mine, oh, no question that I, he, he had a builder build his house four years ago. And he was telling me yesterday that he's, he's already 13th on the list for that builder. So he's, somebody else got to him even though this guy this was his builder you know so he's so uh, the builders are are all are all have a long queue behind them now of of work work and and there's no workers that's the other another another problem yeah another problem do you have both types of insurance wind and flood we do. We ah, have so both. you're covered there. You're covered. Okay. And then we are. Uh, you got a silver lining here. I just, uh, Jack filled me in. You just got to receive that honor in Bucks County. Tell us about that. <laughs> Well, I did. Yes. Just like Jack had mentioned, you know, the beauty of the virtual. Um, 
But after I retired as being a school teacher, I started a business called Stars Kids Life Coaches, and I'm a kids life coach for children. And um, I work with them over a multitude of, of for reasons, confidence building, etc. But most recently through this, I'm definitely practicing what I preach through resiliency skills and coping mechanisms. Okay. I'm, I'm literally, I'm channeling what I teach and I coach kids all across the country. Um, but my goal was also keeping a primary residence now in Florida is I, I have clients all over, but I have a presence in Newtown in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And then I have, um, I was building out Florida, but I was, I was honored because of this business, um, as a happening woman, um, for, you know, entrepreneurs and, um, community activists. And it, it was really nice to see that that work, um, you know, my work is shining with kids. Plus I, my husband, I also own, um, some franchise restaurants in the area and also one in Fort Myers that did survive. So, okay. um, yep. Well, your career is, uh, you're practicing what you preach then right now, right? Huh? That is, that is the, yes, for all sure. Right. Well, I'm sure we are, and I'm sure everybody that you know in Bucks County and Jack lives near me in Bucks County is pulling for you and we wish you the best. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Hey, Kev, great news on how our listeners can tap into their home equity without taking a loan, making monthly payments, or piling on debt. With Unison, they get up to 17.5% of their home's value to remodel, pay off debt, buy a vacation home, whatever. You have Unison, right? Yep, paid off medical debt. Unison's terms were perfect for me, especially zero monthly payments for up to 30 years. Zero monthly payments? How do they make money? When you sell your home, you pay them the original co-investment amount plus a percentage of the change in your home's value up to 30 years later. How do we learn more? Go to unison.com backslash YVH, which stands for Your Valuable Home. Again, that's unison.com backslash YVH. Additional terms and conditions apply. Visit unison.com backslash YVH for details. Remember the name Provia, your single source for professional class, entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone and metal roofing, products made with latest technology and honest old-world craftsmanship. The Provia way. That's this week's podcast. Your Valuable Home comes to you every week on the new Pod City Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, and all other popular podcast directories. If you want us to share your home improvement project or horror story, email me at kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. That's kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. And don't forget to tell your friends and family about Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast that's all about building wealth in residential real estate and hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. 